everyone, and welcome to Retail Recorded by Colliers. I'm your host, Angie Solanke, National Director of Retail and Practice Groups for the U.S. So thanks again for joining us. I am so excited because this podcast series has just continued to grow, and we've been having some amazing guest speakers. And the latest guest speaker we have today, which I'm excited to share, is Dimitri Lalagos. Now, Dimitri, if you don't know Dimitri, I'm sure you do, but you must meet him. He is amazing. He works on the American Dream, which is the largest retail entertainment complex here in the U.S. It's roughly 3 million square feet. It opened in 2020. It has been growing and expanding in so many different ways. Uh, It's just exciting. I can't even tell you the level of excitement because we're going to talk about theme parks. We're going to talk about the big snow American dream ski slope and how you can just hang out in the middle of summer watching skiers go down the slope um, while you're just enjoying, you know, a wonderful lunch or meal at Yard House. So, so much to share, so much to talk about. Um, so let's just hand this over to Dimitri and a little bit about Dimitri. You're going to get to know him a bit more during the conversation, but he really looks at retail from a holistic approach. He's looking at it from, you know, the shopping experience, the customer journey, the merchandising mix, what works, what works well where within a project and just driving, you know, um, great efficiencies uh, and and great experiences for the consumers. So with that, we're going to hand this over to my good friend, Dimitri. So Dimitri, first and foremost, I want to hear about your commercial real estate journey. So you've been in real estate for many years. You've seen a lot. You've done a lot. You've explored. So taking all that into consideration, why retail? Why retail? Retail, that's a great question. Uh, and thank you for having me here. It's, it's really wonderful to be here and I appreciate the time. Retail has a complexity to it. Um, and I think I wrote this on my LinkedIn as well. It's probably still up there. There's a complexity to it that I think is very different than a lot of other types of real estate. Residential real estate, I joke that you're dealing with folks' emotions. You know, office space has its own quirks, but it's generally uh, a bit more transactional. Retail, you're dealing with the consumer, you're dealing with it feels much more complex transactions because you are building an assemblage of a lot of different folks that kind of have to fit together in various different ways. So there's that, that piece of it from a business standpoint that I find challenging that I think is wonderful. The other piece of it is that there is an interesting intersection with fashion and not just fashion, but also people's consumer behavior and understanding that and needing to know that and what fits, you know, in the right, the right fit for the right marketplace. Uh, And I would say those two things are are really why I I engaged uh, commercial real estate and and really have have, uh, stuck with it for so long. Yeah. And retail is ever changing. So you get to meet more people, which is a wonderful thing. So now you have been with American Dream, the developer for close to 10 years, a little more than that. So at a high level, can you share? Well, first off, what was so enticing back then, 10 years ago, to say, hey, I really want, you know, this is interesting. It's a great project, well-positioned. Um, there's so much uh, variety, I guess is the best way to describe it. it. It links back to what you just shared. So why this project? Um, I had moved to New York, and uh, I was working with Westfield at the time, actually. And uh, I met, you know, these projects are everything you just said, the demographics, the size of the project, the complexity of it, how the things fit together, what you're providing uh, to the marketplace, what bones you have in place that you can, you can, you can create something special with. 
Um, but I got to say, I mean, I think the people involved in the project are really what uh, tipped the scale for me to jump on board. Uh, meeting our, our CEO, Don Grimazian, was has been a transformative experience in my in my career um, from a mentoring standpoint, from you know, but just the in many different ways. But the way that his family envisions these projects and has the foresight to and the stick to itiveness to stick, you know, to put to put all the pieces together over you know difficult times, a very long period of time, and to and to uh, to bring it to fruition as we did uh, ultimately. So I would say that that you know really was my conversations with him and then ultimately seeing what their visions were for the for the project and being able to participate in that and contribute to that were what brought me on board for the American Dream. So very hands-on. Very, very hands-on, so, to say the least. So when you look at that, uh, so again, you mentioned vision. So 10 years, there was a vision for this project. How has that changed between then and now? It's a good question, and I've been thinking about that. I think that, honestly, the vision hasn't changed a whole lot other than we, you know, shot for the sun, moon and stars and have delivered most of it. And I would say that, you know, that's indicative, certainly in the retail piece of it, but also in the experience piece that we've done. We started probably around 45% of our total um, square footage offering dedicated to entertainment and attractions. And that's grown and it's grown because that's the right thing to do because people are looking for experience. They're not just looking for uh, you know, shopping store, you know, uh, retail stores with no other um, attractions associated with them or things to do. Um, and I think that is visible in our significant dwell times. So I think that that would be it is just the, the continued focus on attractions as as a driver of retail. So when you say attractions, you're separating restaurants from that or is that Not inclusive? Really. No, okay. They're, they're, it's attractions and experience, right? I think restaurants mm-hmm. fall in the experience category. Obviously, you need you need things for people to do, and you also need places for people to eat. And I think that they all kind of work together. The, those two kind of are, are together, and then the retail piece of it is is apart from that. So you went from forty five percent as part of the vision from um, you know the beginning phase, let's call it, to what percentage are you scaling up to? We're north of fifty. Okay. I don't want to say we're at 55, but it's, it's approaching, you know, 50 to 55. And you feel like that's a good balance between where where the project is today? I mean, I'm assuming it's based on consumer de- demand, right? So, uh, Based on consumer demand from the standpoint that they, they want more experience, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of experienced retailers out there. I mean, that's an interesting thing, too, is that, like, uh, it's retail space sometimes that's dedicated to attractions, or and or experience retail. So, you know, there's a number of different folks who have rented space for us who are now in the entertainment space. I mean, even, you know, something as large as a climbing wall or a, or a, a go-kart track. Um, but also you have smaller, you know, Blast 7D is a tenant of ours. It's a small um, attractions-based tenant, but it takes up, you know, it's technically in a, what might be considered a retail space. Mm-hmm. So you're really kind of looking at that merchandising mix from how does it fit into the different districts and zones. And so when you're doing that, are you starting to see, um, you know, observations as it relates to demographics and those that are coming at different times of the day, different days of the week? Like, what are some of those kind of more macro observations? Our previous uh, development officer or just chief design officer, excuse me, um, really, really coined a phrase that I like a lot. We're, We're not a mall, we're an all. And um, I think that that really encompasses the, you know, the answer that I would say to that is that there's there's something for everybody there.
whether it's the high-end luxury with the Hermes and Saint Laurent Dolce Gabbana, whether it's the um, the big box and the off price with the old navies and the Primarchs of the world, or whether it's just uh, you know a recreational entertainment aspect. So we're seeing you know really cross sections of all kinds of folks coming there, um, as is indicated by the success we're having with the sales and with the the type of numbers we're seeing come from from the retailers. Um, there are there's no one specific category that's wildly outperforming any of the others. They're all growing significantly, um, which just tells us that we're we're tapping into that. There's no question that it is a uh, you know it's a, certainly a family friendly place, and we want people to come from globally. Really, that, that's the attraction that we build as a global attraction. We don't look at it as as if it is a uh, you know a New Jersey or a even tri-state market or even national. It's really an international destination, and now that tourism is back. We're seeing that. Yeah. I was, I was going to actually have you maybe just, you know, briefly kind of give a you know, 30 second overview of the project itself. So, cause a lot of people may not be as sure. familiar or with some of the nuances. So maybe if you can just American dream is. So we are about five miles from Times Square, five, six miles from Times Square, 20 minutes uh, to get there from, from Manhattan. We sit on the New Jersey Turnpike and Route 3. We have a tremendous amount of traffic passed by the site every year. It's 110 million cars a year adjacent to MetLife Stadium. We sit on kind of a, a campus that includes MetLife Stadium, American Dream, and also a horse race track. Um, American Dream is about just about 3 million square feet. It's actually the smallest in our portfolio. But as we talked about before, it's got the highest percentage of attractions and entertainment relative to the retail. And it is uh, 3 million square feet, but... Um, we built it so that the attractions are uh, not accessible straight directly from the parking. So you really have to come through all of the retail and the, and the restaurants in order to get there. And as I mentioned before, the retail really spans the, spans the price ranges, everything from, you know, old Navy, as I mentioned, all the way to Hermes and, and everything in between. So that's interesting. So when we think about the future of retail and brick and mortar, it's definitely here to stay. Um, I don't see it going away any, anytime soon at all, actually. Um, but what is your perspective, you know, as you look at entertainment, entertainment and retail and creating, like you said, this very broad demographic approach where you can start attracting different levels and different experiences for, for all. Yeah, no, I think, I think as it pertains to brick and mortar, this is something that I've been talking about for the better part of probably a decade. You know, we've been listening to Amazon's coming to take over the world for forever. And I've been saying that there's a lot of things that Amazon can't provide. They can't provide instantaneous, at least not yet. Uh, they can't provide an experience. Um, and I think a third important piece of it that I'm going to mention is that, you know, the carbon footprint associated with Amazon and online shopping is not insignificant. And I think people are paying more and more attention to that. And there have been studies that have been shown that have shown that, you know, going to a mall, even though you're driving there because more than one person is going to accomplish a number of different things. You're not shipping a bunch of products. So setting that aside, you know, I do think that it was a narrative that was somewhat sensationalistic that, um, you know, didn't pay attention to a lot of the nuances in the argument, which, you know, we live in that world right now. So it is what it is. Um, but retail is here to say and stay. And I think the number one thing I would say about that is just cost of a customer acquisition is the number one thing that people always come back to and are now realizing a D2C brand is going to get to a certain point. Um, with online customer acquisition. And then beyond that, they have to start opening stores. And that's when they really see then a big jump because you build a great store in a great location and you have built-in traffic. 
A hundred percent. I mean, I so agree with that. And I, to your point, it's so critical to have brick and mortar and we're seeing a really interesting dynamic. I'm, I'm hearing different numbers of, you know, online might be 70% and 30% in-store sales. Nonetheless, having that convenience of having multiple channels for that consumer to interact with is so critical today. And I think to your point, retailers are focused much more so in how do they optimize those channels. And um, it's, it's, I mean, the retailer expansion uh, that we're seeing uh, just in the last, you know, call it, you know, 20 to 24 months has been, it's, it's growing and it's not, it has not slowed down. Yeah. So um, when you look at the project from a merchandising and, and you think about the different strategies that have been deployed, you mentioned something just purely about, you know, there were definitely a vision, there was a vision and then it's slightly adjusted over time. What, are, what has been like, you know, the top success successes or challenges or something that was unexpected? Well, I think unexpected is the easy one to answer that. Every time I tour somebody, my, my number one job from a leasing standpoint is to get people to come to the building. I can show the presentation to people online. I can show, I can call people and explain the center to them. I can do what we're doing now, but until you're actually in the building, we got to get you there. Um, it's, it's hard to really understand everything we put together. And I think the unexpected is that when I do tour people now, they're always just blown away by the sheer magnitude and, and the, and the, and the sophistication of what we created. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful center. And, uh, it really shows in, in the, 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 um, attention to detail from the flooring to the lighting to all of that. And then you walk people into the water park and it's like, wow, I saw this on paper, but I could not have possibly imagined the enormity of it. And then you finish by taking them to the ski hill. It's like, wow, you've got a ski hill indoors, you know, and, and those again are attractions that are very impressive. But then you go to, you know, our, our one of our courts and you see a czar and it's the largest mall based czar in the world. It's a 48,000 square foot czar in two levels. And you see, you know, all the, the other flagship retail that we have. So I think it's just, it's, it's, um, what changed was, I think that we didn't expect the, the footprints to be quite as large as they've gone at American dream. People see the vision and they've wanted to go with larger footprints because they've realized that they're going to build their typical, whatever X square foot store, and then they're going to need to grow again and you know, before their 10 year expiration. So. They've been joining up, you know, linking up with our vision and saying, okay, we're probably going to go bigger. And we're hearing that time and time again. That's interesting. So they're, they're, uh, the footprint's much larger here. Are they, so they're taking into account, I mean, this is their normal merchandising, right? It's not a combination of their, their standard merchandising plus a portion that's outlet related. No, it's not outlet. It's not outlet. The, The center is three levels. First and second level are, are purely full price. The third price or the third floor does have some, uh, like a, a big box and out and out price. We have a DSW, we have an Old Navy, Primark, um, but the rest of it is all, there's no there's no direct to consumer or direct to outlet type of um, concepts. Uh, concepts there, yeah. Interesting. So when you're having that discussion about the larger footprint, it sounds like there's very little pushback. And now you have some, you have support sales support with existing tenants to say, Hey, they've been successful. You should be successful as well. So you're not getting much pushback there in that regard. In regards to the large, the larger footprint. No, no. And I think again, you know, we, we, we have to 
be a, a landlord partner and explain why that's going to happen and convince people why that's going to happen. And, and, you know, also we're all, we're all sharing the success, right? So, right. you know, these, these larger footprint stores are going to produce more sales, which ultimately produces more, you know, sales per square foot for the center, right. which allows us to charge more rent. And it's a, you know, it's a, it works together very well. I mean, just to open during that very awkward and uh, um, unforeseen time, it is uh it bodes well in terms of the hard work that the, that the team put together and creating the, you know, taking the vision and implementing that vision and seeing it grow from there. I think it's phenomenal and fantastic. So, all right, we have our final question for you. So it's my fun question I always ask, and I'm sure our audience is really intrigued because you have talked to so many brands, um, whether they've made the decision today or in the near future to, to come to American Dream. We've, you've just seen so many different brands. You've talked to so many different people at different levels within real estate. And so I'm excited to hear this, but if you were any brand, which brand would you want to be um, and why? So stealing a little bit from Forrest Gump, a lot of rock chocolates. And I think it's, it's just something that gives everybody joy and happiness. And there's something there, hopefully for everybody. Um, you know, they, they have a, uh, a really amazing selection. It's just a fun place to go. And I think that there's, there's also a certain service element that I, I personally really appreciate about um, food service and restaurants and such that, that you get there in, in this type of store that uh, I think just adds to the experience. And I think experience, taste, uh, quality, and, uh, and happiness are all a part of their, their, what they offer. And I think that's what it would be. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I, I would agree. It's interesting. I was, um, just in London, and of course, my cousin's favorite chocolate is that. Oh, so, okay. uh, it's yeah, it's on the top, top uh, one or two. But I, I agree with you. It just if you can learn and be educated and and be excited about a product, and to your point, just kind of makes you happy. I mean, that's like the best of all worlds, right? Connecting so, yeah, connecting with people. So, um, with that, Dimitri, thank you very, very much for being here live and in person thank you, Angie. for this podcast. It's great. It was, I think it's, we definitely need to do a part two because there's so many more questions and insights that you could probably share with us, um, and develop more questions around this. But as my audience, um, listening to this podcast, we really want to hear from you because I'm sure you may have been, um, you know, to the project, had your great experiences. I'm sure there's probably, uh, different brands and attractions you would like to see. So let us know both myself and Dimitri. I mean, don't be shy. And we want to hear from you because it's really important to hear different perspectives that we're highlighting and sharing with you, but also to hear back from you so we can hear what you're excited to see and to taste and experience as well. So uh, definitely let's stay connected, Dimitri. I know we will. Um, And as always at Colliers, we're focused on not only our clients, but also knowledge sharing and to hear what we're hearing um, within our industry on core topics. So with that, we hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Stay tuned for more at Retail Recorded at Colliers and listen in for next month's topic. Thanks so much. See you next time. Thank you.